Hey there. Welcome back to Browns Cast. I'm Max Linsky. My guest this week is Johnson Badamosi. Johnson's a defensive back, but you probably know him better for what he does on special teams. Among other things, Johnson's a gunner, one of those dudes who goes flying down the field, or tries to anyway, to cover punts. It's a job that requires just a touch of crazy. For all we talk about rules and flags and penalties, where Johnson plays is one of football's real blind spots. Everybody's watching the ball, which means nobody's watching him. And it's basically a street fight out there. Anything goes. Johnson learned how to grapple playing another sport. He was one of the best high school rugby players in the country, and we talked about why he decided to pursue football instead. We also talked about what it was like to arrive in Cleveland in 2012. He was an undrafted free agent, wasn't even invited to the combine, and Johnson had to fight then too, just to get the coach's attention. But he did, and this year, for the first time, he was voted an alternate for the Pro Bowl. But Johnson doesn't just work hard on the field. He's also the Browns player rep, a liaison between his teammates in the league. And as you'll hear, he brings just as much passion to that job as he does to covering punts. Johnson Badamosi, welcome to uh, Brownscast. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, man. Here's where I wanted to start. I don't know that I've ever talked to anyone named Johnson before. It's a unique first name. It is a unique first name. Is there is there a story there? Why why did your why did your uh, folks name you Johnson? So there's a couple of different stories. My grandfather took on the first name Johnson, and I guess in Nigeria, where my family's from, is actually common as a first name. But I guess uh, way back when, when the immigration laws changed and people were trying to you know assimilate into American culture, and people started coming here, they started taking on American first names. My mother took the middle name Margaret and my dad henry and so um there's a kind of there's a couple of different stories around that but that that's that's where it's from i got it from my grandfather so when did your folks come so my mother came in the uh the late 80s and my my father came a little bit uh earlier than that but i've had i had uncles and uh aunts that came right around the 80s and you were growing when you were growing up in dc was there like a significant Nigerian community that you guys were a part of, or, or were you kind of on your own? There, so there's a really large population of uh, Nigerian Americans and, or just Nigerian immigrants in, on the East Coast, so in like New York, in Washington, D.C., Maryland particularly, and then in Houston. Those are, those are three pockets of the country where there's a large population of uh, Nigerians. Were you guys football fans growing up? I, I did watch football with my cousins growing up because they uh, – uh, I mean, yes, they were football fans, and then we had, you know, you had the Nigerian nightmare, you know, running people over in Kansas City. So yeah, uh, that that made us biggest bigger football fans. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure. I'm, uh, I I remember playing with Christian Okoye in Tecmo Bowl. He was impossible to tackle. Yeah, they say the best Tecmo Bowl player ever. The best, the best. He was unstoppable. Yeah, and he only played football like. I think he started like late in high school or late in college. He's actually ran track and then started late in college. Just an incredible natural athlete. Yeah. Which also, here's my segue, but uh, you were a pretty incredible natural athlete. In high school, you were playing football, but you were also playing rugby, right? Yeah, I played uh, actually four sports in high school. I played football, rugby, uh, track, ran track, and then I wrestled. But I, uh, I really, really had a lot of fun playing rugby starting before high school and uh, throughout high school. I'm not going to let you be modest either. You were also really, really good at rugby. Like, you played on the national team. Yeah, I played on the U17 and U18 national teams, uh, and I got to just play with a bunch of really, really good players from around the country, and we 
uh, got to play against other countries. We played, uh, we played Canada. We played, I think, Wales. We played uh, Romania. But I got to travel to England, Ireland, Spain, and France, um, just playing rugby at a, at a really high level. And some of the guys that I played with are still playing now for the for the, uh, the men's national team and are going to get an opportunity to play in the next year's Olympics, play sevens in next, year, next year's Olympics. So that's that's pretty exciting. Did you think about pursuing that instead of football? I definitely did because I, um, I kind of blossomed as a rugby player a little bit earlier than I did as a football player. So I definitely considered playing rugby at Cal or Penn State or a school like that. Why do you think you took to rugby more than football when you were in high school? Uh, it's a really it's a really fun game. It's just everybody's just there to have a good time and you, you play the other team and then after the after the match you guys are, you know, drinking sodas and uh hanging out afterwards and I mean this it's it's an international sport so there's there's it's it was really new to me and so every year I was learning something different about it and meeting new people associated with the sport and I got to travel around the country first. I got, you know, got to go you know, just trying out for these national teams. I, I went to Texas. I went to Orlando. I went to, I ended up in Elkhart, Indiana, which is in the middle of nowhere. Lovely Elkhart. Yeah, it just, I just got a, a bunch of different opportunities to do it, and I met up a lot of different people through it. Um, so, and I had a really, I had a lot of fun doing it. So, it's kind of, it's kind of like um, playing like AAU basketball where you get to travel around the country and you get your guys on your team that you end up spending a lot of time with on the road so that became your world that became a world yeah that and well sports has always been my world but that that became a big part of it from an athletic standpoint was there something about rugby that made more sense to you than football like was there something about the sport and the actual physical part of the sport that you took to more no not necessarily i just um i, I remember i was at like a um like an after school program called pal police Act- activities league uh and a rugby coach came and we started throwing a ball around and i had fun doing it and you know i had natural talent you know i could run and i was physical um and i could catch the ball well it wasn't more of an understanding the game thing i just had fun doing it and so i just continued to play it just because i I really love to and that's that's how i ended up playing football as well my rugby coaches were my football coaches and so i decided to play football that same year I, i played rugby and so that's really how it worked out. Well, I guess explain to me how you how you decided, you know, when you were 18 to pursue football and not and not rugby. Was there why did football win out? You know, I've I've gotten a lot of great opportunities in the past playing rugby, but football, I was offered a scholarship to go to a great school, uh Stanford and Yeah, it's a pretty good one. I couldn't turn that down. People <laughs> <laughs> to go to school like that and play football in the in the Pac-12 and and get that kind of education paid for that that's that's not something that you turn down, so that's why. And when you when you landed in Palo Alto, were, were, was the goal to make the NFL? Was that what you were thinking about? Where what was your mindset when you started? I was just trying to make it through day one. I remember I got out there, <laughs> uh, just some kid from Silver Spring, Maryland, got out there with came with what two bags, and my mom shipped a box to me. I'm walking around this huge campus with no bike. Just like everybody else is riding bikes, and um, I was too proud to say I don't need a bike. What I look like on a bike, so and I, I just got out there and had no idea. But I wasn't, I didn't have the NFL in my mind. I was just trying to impress my coaches and and gain the trust of my teammates and 
and just kind of figure out figure out life figure <laughs> out figure out how to make it make it in college did you figure life out <laughs> i still don't have life quite figured out but i uh, i was able to figure out the you know being a student athlete part yeah well if you do figure it all out you know uh let me know yeah well i'll, uh, I'll get back to you <laughs> yeah just uh, text me yeah. <laughs> so you go through stanford you were uh, a starter for most of your time there and i i am interested in in that progression like when you start thinking like okay this is this is starting to work i'm starting to play at a pretty high level here and i'd like to see how far this can take me like when when do you start thinking all right i I think the nfl is a possibility gosh i was i was so for the majority of my time at stanford i and this was this is a testament to just the coaches and the guys we had there we were just so focused on what we were doing at the time we were trying to win now we had so many guys playing at a high level that we were just trying to match that level of play and that level of intensity. We were just worried about the next game and worried yeah. about after the season was over, getting through winter workouts and after winter work was over, getting through spring ball. And so we, I, I wasn't thinking about anything NFL related until it really was time to time to do that. I remember, uh, I mean, maybe a, a couple points my senior year. Maybe I saw a scouter, a scout or two come. And I mean, I do remember going to see, you know, watching the NFL Combine and going to see uh, you see uh, a bunch of guys that graduated or finished playing football before me, see their pro day, and you know it was always in the back of my head. I really, I really didn't even think about it until it was time to think about it. Maybe, maybe I should, maybe I should have been thinking about it <laughs> earlier. <laughs> maybe that would help me uh, get drafted or something. But it all worked out. Well, I mean, I know that uh, you know you haven't quite figured all of life out but i think part of it is being present right part of it is about sort of tackling the thing that's right in front of you and not worrying about the end game all the time that is true and that that is a great perspective to have do you think that your parents had something to do with you having that mentality my parents they uh they they definitely did my mom pretty much raised me and my sister on her own and she she worked two sometimes three jobs and I remember she just she worked so hard and like did everything she could that so me and my sister could have what we needed if anything I just learned that you know you know sometimes you know the job that you're you're doing is not gonna be pretty and it's, you're not you're not gonna enjoy it but sometimes you're just gonna do it have to do what you have to do in order to you know as a means to an end and so I think that's a big thing I took from my mom and my mom, you know, she was, she's the nicest person in the world and the happiest person in the world. So <laughs> that, that rubbed, that, that rubbed off on me. So. She must've been pretty happy when, uh, you got that scholarship to Stanford. That must've been an amazing moment. Uh, yeah, she was, she definitely was. That idea of, of, uh, it's not always going to be pretty and you got to work your ass off, uh, connects to the next thing I want to talk to you about, which is, which is landed in Cleveland in 2012. You were, uh, you were undrafted, weren't even invited to the combine, right? Yeah. Nope. And you, you land in Cleveland as a, uh, undrafted free agent and everyone who, who arrives has a shot, but you know, at that point that the odds are low. I mean, more guys don't make it than make it. And I'm really interested in what that first mini camp, that first training camp was like for you and how you how you approached trying to make the team? You know, I got to Cleveland and, you know, I got, I got a couple different calls after the draft. Uh, I think I got 
not I think I know I got a call from Dallas and I got a call from Cincinnati. They wanted me to come out there and they were giving me an opportunity to to make their make their football team. So they were bringing me to rookie minicamp and were going to bring me into their pretty much their spring training programs. And I decided to go to Cleveland because it seemed like the best opportunity. And you mentioned like the odds and this and that, and I, I wasn't really concerned about that. I at Stanford we played we played football at a very 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 high level. And yeah. We had great coaches, NFL caliber coaches, and we had coaches that I that I played with my junior year that got jobs in the NFL. And we're coaching these guys the same way, and these guys were performing the same way as we did. So I, I, there were, there were, I knew I could, I could play at that level. I just had to prove it to everybody else. And so after I got to that first rookie mini camp, and part of me, you know, thought that I was like, oh, you know, I'm about to be out there facing Muhammad Masakwa, who was there at the time, and and all the all, all like all these guys in in the who who and Josh Cribs, all these guys who had who had gotten a lot of accolades and were drafted really high when they came out and, you know, had started NFL games. And I got there running big community camp. I'm like, oh, it's just a bunch of rookies. And I was like, I'm, <laughs> I couldn't do this. I'm actually better than these guys. So um, <laughs> I'm better than all these guys. So I just trusted my process and and just every day tried to prove what I thought and tried to be who I said I was, which was better than all of these guys. One of the other things that I heard uh, before we talked from a bunch of different people was that you were one of the hardest working rookies they'd ever seen. For me, I just, that wasn't a title that I wanted. I didn't want to be the hardest working person because, but I mean, I guess it just happened that way. I, I knew I like, I made a plan. I was like, if, if I want to accomplish these goals, these are steps I'm, I'm going to have to take. And I just worked that plan every day. And I just, you know, committed to the process. And do you remember what those steps were? Yeah, so I mean, we and this started this started in college. Our strength and conditioning coach, Shannon Terrell, he he's big into the sports science and sports psychology. So we had us making smart goals. I don't know if you've heard of that, like specific, measurable, action oriented. Just kind of kind of made one of those and said, okay, every day I'm gonna make sure you know after practice I stretch and and I get in the cold tub and you know I focus on these details of my job, whether it's an individual. I'm gonna continuously work like work these these skills and then one I had to stay healthy in order to give myself an opportunity to play two I had to play with my head on fire like <laughs> like my back was against the wall like I had nothing to lose because I honestly did I had nothing to lose and I knew I'd had to contribute on special teams and so when you know the coach was like okay this is a 50% drill I went 100% and it was 100% <laughs> drill I, I went harder than I did before there was one point during, uh, I don't know if it was a training camp or during the, during the off season, but I went to the special teams coach and I was like, I'm better than these guys. Like, why are these guys in front of me? And he was like, oh, well, the, the game is going to be the time to prove that. I was like, All right. And so I got out there in a the game and it didn't matter what he asked me to do. I just did it to the best of my ability and was just trying to jump off the film while doing that. I was, if I got to the wedge, then I don't care if this guy's 300 and some pounds, I'm going to try to come out on top and jump off the film because I hit this guy and, 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 and did something impactful, made a splash play. So I was, I was just trying to make plays. That's all I was trying to do. I love that phrase, head on fire, man. That sounds like a uh, requirement for the work that you do. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get that for myself. I got that from, you know, I've been, been lucky enough to have really, really good coaches with Coach Tabor and Sean Meninga and um, Stan, who we have here. And then even before then, 
I had uh, DJ Durkin as uh, my special teams coach, who was a special teams coach and an outside backers coach at Stanford. Then he was a D coordinator at Florida. Then he was the D coordinator at Michigan, and he just got the head job at University of Maryland. So that that, that phrase came from him. Okay, well, credit where credit is due, but uh, it does sound descriptive. All right, so let's talk about uh, special teams and becoming a special teams specialist, which is really where you found your place in this league. I mean, I know you played a lot of corner too, but you know, you're just voted you're uh, an alternate for the Pro Bowl this year. Special teams, congratulations! Thank you, thank you. All right, so so you you realize that special teams are going to be critical to you making the team. You make the team. I assume that you just keep playing head on fire. Tell me about that. Tell me about that rookie season, and getting out on the field for the first time, and and uh, and gunning, gunning in the NFL. How is that? Uh, how is that experience? Every day, every week was new because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't feel any sense of security. We, had, I think, we had like fourteen, like or fifteen rookies, my rookie year, and. I mean, I saw I saw guys get cut in training camp, and I saw you know guys get let go in the beginning of the season. So every week I thought I was gonna get cut, and so I knew I was like, man, this might be the week I gotta make a play because I gotta I don't know if I'm gonna be here the following week. And so every week I thought I was gonna get cut, <laughs> and so I was just trying to make a play. I was just trying to take advantage of that day. I was just trying to make it till tomorrow. That was my that was my mentality in training camp. I'm just trying to make it to tomorrow. I took that mentality through through the whole season, and it, and it ended up working out well for me. I think uh, I think I was like all rookie and, and so on and so forth. I've always tried to keep that fire burning. And after that rookie season, maybe this is just me like not understanding how this works, but I guess in my mind, I think at some point you had to say, I'm going to be a special teams guy. I'm going to be in that Steve Tasker mold, in that Matthew Slater mold. Like, this is what I do. Or is that wrong? Like, do, do you, is that not how you think about it? No, that, that, that isn't how I think about it. And I know that is one of the biggest ways of how I contribute to the team. But I don't see myself as just a special teamer at all. I see myself as a playmaker. And if they need me, to be, if they give me the opportunity to be, like, go out there and play on defense, then I'm going to show them that I'm better than all these guys. And just as if they give me the opportunity to play on special teams, then I'm going to show them that I'm better than all these guys. Uh, I take pride in, in special teams, but I'm just a football player. So what you're saying is you still have a chip on your shoulder. Is that what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm I'm saying it in a good way, man. I know, I know, but I just have certain things, certain goals, and I'm motivated by certain things, and that's one of them. That fits completely with so many of the other conversations I've had with uh, your teammates and with people around the organization is you can't get complacent in this game. I mean, you, you know, you just were voted an alternate to the Pro Bowl, and it'd be easy to rest a little bit, to lay off the gas a little bit. It's an honor to be voted, voted to the Pro Bowl, and, and I'm, you know, I'm thankful to my coaches and my teammates who helped me get there and the people that voted, but I still feel disrespected. I feel like I am the best special teamer. I felt like I had the numbers to prove it. I felt like I made the plays I needed to make, and so it's an honor to be voted, but I still feel like I'm better than those other guys. And I, just, I still feel like I need to go out there and prove it because obviously, you know, I don't know if whether it's like a reputation thing or, or maybe maybe they did play better than me, but I feel like I'm the best. <laughs> <laughs> Those are just my honest thoughts. 
and I feel like I, I always I kind of just feel disrespected sometimes. I feel like I have to earn my respect every day, earn my respect every week, earn my respect every game. And, you know, it's not always pretty. I mean, that's just the nature of what we do, and that's the nature of special teams. Like, when you go out there, it's it's a fight. And sometimes it's a two-on-one fight, and you have to just claw your way in, in, in to position of making a play. First off, don't apologize for that. That mentality is clearly what got you here. So don't don't apologize for that for a second. But that what you were just talking about, the fight, that two-on-one, I, I got to just ask you about the experience of being a gunner because it is this thing that, like, when you're sitting on your couch on Sundays and watching the game, you only see the last second of that play from your perspective, right? Like, it's only the the, the last moment when the the punt returners catching the ball that you see the gunner but tell me about what happens between the snap and that last moment like when you've got two guys trying to stop you from so you have two guys not just trying to stop you but they're trying to embarrass you and they're trying to eat your lunch they're trying to convince you that you need to find a new way to feed your family (laughs) (laughs) and and, and that's that's how it is those two they, they they put two guys out there on you and when they when they line up two guys on you then all rules go out the window you can they can. They're allowed to hold you. They're allowed to. They say, "Oh, they can't. They can't jump on you in the ground. Or, oh, they can't block you out of the bounds." When the officials see two guys line up on one guy, they don't even pay attention to them. They don't even pay attention to that side. They're like, "All right, if they're willing to put two guys on this guy, then we just let them do whatever they want." And so, it's a fight. It's literally like all rules out the window. And it's and it's like that when I'm lining up against other guys. That's how I see. Like, I'm I'm trying to eat this guy's lunch. I'm I'm trying to, I'm, <laughs> I'm, you might have to find a new job because it's either me and you in the situation and it's, I'm not going to let it be me. And then you run it out on a kickoff. It's just, sorry, right, I got to make a play. I got to get the tackle. I got to beat these blockers. I got to beat this double team. Or I can't let this other person make a play. I've heard some of your teammates say that you go to a, uh, you go to a pretty crazy place. Uh, one of them actually said you are a certain kind of crazy like where where do you have to get yourself to be like I I this is just a street fight, and whatever I have to do to get fifty yards down the field and make this play, I'm going to do it. She find a way to get there, and I just channel. I think about uh, my road to get to where I am now. I think about things that have happened in my past. I think about you just channel energy from all these places. Some some good energy, some bad energy, and. A lot of times it's that bad energy that helps you go out there and be violent. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, life off the field. Mm -hmm. You're the player rep for the team to the league. First of all, how do you get that job? How does that happen? Is that something you, like, campaign for? No, I don't. I I wouldn't really respect anybody who campaigned to do something like that, but that's something that your teammates ask you to do because they feel like, you can uh, represent their best interests. And, and what does that entail? What does that job entail in like a practical sense? Like how, how much of your time is, is doing that work? And does it mean going to different guys on the team and, and taking their temperature on issues? Like how, how do you do that job? How do you approach that You kind of serve job? as like the middleman of liaison between the union and um, the players. Uh, and so basically you're just supposed to get all the information out to the guys that they need. Like if a guy is wondering about uh, the rules as related to injuries or how much time we're spending, you know, we're working out during during the off season, then I'm supposed to either know that information 
or point them to somebody who does know that information. And it also involves just speaking out, not being quiet. If something is not right, then you say, hey, this is this is BS. It's not supposed to be like that. These are the rules, and you guys are not following the rules. You kind of have to be outspoken. You kind of have to have a strong opinion as far as things. You have to see things the player's way. In some ways, you got to be you got to be anti. You got to just like no, I don't know, I don't think that's right. Yeah, you got to think critically. You got to think critically. Yeah. So, are there particular things that you're focused on? Are there are there places where you want to call BS? Yeah, absolutely. I. Uh, Rules as related to injuries, I think that's one of the hot topics for me. That's one of the things that has rubbed me the wrong way. I think the league and the teams and us as a union, or our union, I think we have a ways to go. Uh, and so that's something that, that we, have, we have a lot of work to do. I know you've got, uh, you don't have a bunch of time, and this is another huge conversation, but I did want to just touch briefly on... Uh, on on last season and and your decision to wear the I can't breathe shirt before uh, before a game, which I know got a lot of attention, you know, for anyone who who's listening and doesn't know I can't breathe were Eric Garner's last words in Staten Island. And after that experience, you 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 wrote this uh, really terrific piece for uh, MMQB and and about how the league has their issues. Uh, has their causes that they focus on, and and but they don't focus on all of them. And, and was that a hard decision to wear that shirt? Yeah, it was. It wasn't easy to write that. And I mean, I'm very opinionated, but sometimes there's a place and time to speak on those opinions. And uh, you know, sometimes those opinions rub certain people the wrong way. And that doesn't necessarily mean you shouldn't speak, but that can dissuade people from from speaking on certain things. Because you know, when we talk about when we talk about you know our justice system, when we talk about race and police, those are those are hot button issues. Those are issues that people have very different opinions on, and and, and those are those are those are political issues. But I just I felt I felt like I couldn't I would have been doing myself a disservice if I was quiet. In that case, these, these are conversations that guys have every day in a locker room amongst their friends at home in private spaces. We are having this conversation, you know, in public now, finally. But it's bigger than having the conversation. Things need to be done and things aren't getting done. Like, there's no reason. There's no reason in certain cities everybody killed by police this year was black. <laughs> there's no re- there's no reason. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, there's no reason nobody has, is being held accountable for what happened to Sandra Bland. I'm sorry. I'm getting... <laughs> I literally, it was it was like eating me up inside, not speaking in that case. And there's so much, there's so many times, so many times, and you might not hear this. So many times, it's a lot of people are telling you to just shut up and play. Oh, don't worry about that. You know that that's something they tell you in college. They say, oh, you know, don't don't get distracted by all those people, all those all those students that are speaking out on these things. Just worry, you know, worry about your job, worry about football, worry about whatever you're doing. And even if you're not playing sports, you see that in, in anybody's in anybody's work, it's just like, oh, don't draw too much attention to yourself. Keep your head down. Keep your head down. I, I had a coach say, you want to be successful? Keep your head down, follow the crowd, do what you're told. How crazy does that sound? That's not how you, you you're not you're not raising leaders, telling kids to do that. I mean, you're not just you're not you're not trying to change anything. I mean, I understand you want to win and you you want everybody to fall in line, but. <laughs> I, I had basically, I had to speak on it. 
I had no choice. I appreciate you for doing that. And I know that a lot of other people do too. And, and I was also struck by the, the way that you framed that decision as the NFL needs to be a place where every issue can be brought to light, not just the sanctioned ones. And the, the idea that the league is going to act as a whole at all times uh, is a fiction. Football is a vehicle for a larger conversation on a lot of different things. Football is culture. We're not going to put our head down and follow the crowd and do what we're told. We're going to do our job. We're not going to get in, you know, we're not trying to get in trouble. That's, that's never okay. We're not trying to disrespect anybody or treat anybody uh, poorly, but this is, this is our league. This is the players league. Like we, we, we're playing the games, but, but I mean, you know, there, there are ways to do this. You know, I can, I can talk about it, but you know, if, if you want to make certain changes, just like in anything, you have to go through a process of doing that. And so that's what we're doing right now. Hearing you talk like this makes me think you have a future in politics. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm from, I'm from, I'm from Washington. I went to school in Washington, D.C., from Silver Spring, Maryland, so I was around it for a long time. So I don't know, I don't know what the future holds, but I have a lot of different interests, and we'll see. We'll see when we get there. Johnson, I got one more question for you. I'm going to let you go. I read this, uh, I read this old story from, from that first training camp uh, just about how like I said, how hard you were you were fighting and and uh, how hard you were working and and uh, the piece talked about your mom and how hard she worked and it said that she was still working even though you you were playing in the NFL and uh, it made me wonder whether that's still the case. Is your mom still working? Mom's still working. Still working the same job. Still paying her own bills. Still the same person. Still the happiest person in the world. Uh, I'm I'm so proud of her. Um, everything that she does um, and everything that she's going to continue to do and she's just the greatest example for me and my sister and she's going to be a great example for my kids one day and superwoman. I'm sure she's pretty uh, proud of you too. I, I try to make her proud. Johnson, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to Brown's Cast. I'm Max Linsky. I produce this show with Aaron Lammer. Our editor is Taylor Quick. The music is from Francis and the Lights. And all of our previous episodes are available at brownscast.com. You can listen there or iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time. <laughs>